Hello, hello, and welcome to another Hometown Daily News Show. I am Mayor Watt, and today is February 12th, 2023. It's 9 p.m. Eastern, and you know what time that means, right? We're going to go through a whole bunch of articles, and today's episode is titled A High-Flying Superb Owl and UAP Balloons. Tonight, we're going to cover... Uh, the Dial of Destiny uh, Super Bowl ad. Just cover it really short. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail. Uh, the Super Bowl is actually going right now. So uh, I can imagine if you're distracted. Um, yeah, that I, I can hear plays being made as we uh, speak right now. Mars Wrigley Factory is fined after two wa- uh, workers fall into a chocolate vat. And uh, I have a proposed bill, uh, the name of it. We'll talk about that here in a minute. Uh, Senate Democrat says that it's possible that an anomaly is still flying over Montana airspace. It might be Santos. Uh, All three objects that are over the U.S. and Canada were balloons, according to Schumer. Hyundai launches a no-commitment electric vehicle. And based on yesterday's article, it might be powered by children. Here's a management game best described as uh, Terraform and Chill. It's a great title. And uh, we'll talk about that game here in a minute. Chinese authorities said that they're preparing to shoot down an unidentified object over the Yellow Sea. Yeah, or probably of their own making. And FBI's most controversial surveillance tool is under threat. Uh, consumer non-durables good career is it good for you and three suspicious objects that have been downed over north america um well nobody knows where they came from and maybe what one of them at least was we'll talk about that pretty quick and because we're digging deep into or reaching high for balloons um, the, the news cycle is pretty much dominated with them. Alien invasions, a congressman addresses speculation. Nobody really thinks it's aliens, but come on, let's get into the news cycle. And George Santos decides to pregame with a Super Bowl tweet. We'll talk about that too. Let's get going. Hello, I am Mayor Watt. That is hometown.com. And the AI from on high is here. And I, I can see the ready signals are, are firing all of the pixels and the bits. The visualizer should be going. Uh, I'm being fed by my uh, light board behind me. I think I think everything is ready to go. What do you, what do you say? I think we're ready. Good evening, hometown citizens. Pick up the can. No, you won't say that. Well, anyway, let's get into the news. We don't have much preamble. I know that the Super Bowl is going, so people are distracted. Um, we're not allowed to do a retelling of anything that goes on with the uh, Super Bowl and maybe not even allowed to mention the Super Bowl lest the Super Bowl police come. So from now on, we're probably going to refer to everything as superb owls. If you're familiar with the meme and join us in referring to 
superb owls. Let's get into something that went on during a superb owl review. In the continuity report, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Super Bowl spot. Harrison Ford gets back into punching Nazis in the face, and that's exactly what he did in the in the video. In the uh, Super Bowl, oh, superb owl spot. I spotted a superb owl. I know we're running dangerously close upon a violation of I don't know what the hell that would be. Anyway, it's over at Variety. Let me scroll up real quick. Uh, Katie Ruel or Rule, maybe it's Katie Rule, and J. Kim Murphy. Uh, wrote this article for Variety.com. So, Indiana Jones, um, he actually got hurt in, well, relatively recently in an airplane crash. He is a a small craft pilot, um, and uh, apparently he crashed recently. And so I guess he's recovered well enough that he uh, is in this movie. He playing Indiana Jones and probably the final appearance based on uh, all reports so far that I have read and heard the rumors about. Um, Disney unveiled a new look at uh, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny during the Super Bowl, giving franchise viewers a closer look at the flashbacks of a young Harrison Ford and Jones's relationship with his goddaughter, Helena, um, or Helena, uh, played by Fleabag star Phoebe Waller-Bridge. And uh, what's... I really liked it. It was rather hyperkinetic, just like all of the other Indiana Jones movies. Um, Has nothing to do with Crystal Skulls, which was basically one of those, like an all multi-part series movie kind of world building things. There's always one where people go, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, That that's that doesn't that doesn't exist. Uh, We don't we don't know what you're talking about. Um, but this looks like it's reaching back to the original uh, archaeologist hero fame kind of a thing. And uh, I, I think that I'm going to love this uh, movie. It's the fifth and final. Unlike um, Fast and Furious 48, I think that's probably going to end up <laughs> uh, get having legs or having wheels. I'm not sure how you want to define it, but... Um, yeah, it's going to be around for a while, but this is supposed to be the last. It's supposed to define the, his career um, and, and kind of close the door on his tenure as um, either Indiana Jones, the archaeologist who goes out into the wild, um, or overall just kind of shutter everything that's going on. Um so composer John Williams had previously announced the feature would be his last as well, though the 91-year-old said he no longer intends to retire during a, a January 2023 interview with Entertainment Weekly. And said around the same time was that Ford had told Variety that he had always wanted to do this Indiana Jones 5, the final chapter Um but Ford is also doing an Apple TV Plus series called Shrinking, which I haven't seen yet. Um, have you seen all of the Indiana Jones movies? Um, or did you not watch the Crystal Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls? I don't think I've seen all of them, but I actually think I have seen the Crystal Skulls one. How many? There, well, I mean, there were four, right? I think I've right. maybe seen two of them. 
Oh, gotcha. Okay. Well, we'll have to hook you up with uh, the rest of these. So uh, we can do, I don't know, maybe we can do, we have been discussing the idea of um, the continuity report with various movies and, and various series, TV and movie and even shows, regular shows, you know, um, not just TV movies, but TV shows like Blacklist and things like that. Um, and I think it would be great because we have two rather divergent perspectives about a lot of things um, because of our areas of expertise. Uh, the AI uh, doesn't really get into uh, certain aspects, um, whereas I definitely do. And it was programmed that way. So the AI was programmed to avoid where I take over because I, I need job security as mayor of hometown. But this spot is really cool and I'm not going to go on any more about it, uh, but you can definitely follow the link through hometown. And let me throw that into the uh, VOD and into the show notes and the chat. All of that is going to be available um, after the show as well. Um, and definitely go over to YouTube and like and, and favorite, ring the bell, subscribe, become a citizen of hometown over at hometown.com. Be sure to follow me here on Twitch. Um, you can download the podcast as well. And uh, there's a Discord. Again, if I see traffic over there, then I'll engage more over there. Um, but uh, it's really just kind of a ghost town because I don't really do much over there. I don't post anything. Um, and I don't really hype it up until recently. So go and check it out um, and let me know that you're there. That'd be great. Anyway, um, then let's go on to the next article. Um, sound good? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, so the um, next article is over on the Hatch Ideas channel. And let me throw that into the chat as well. So this next article, it, it's not funny, but like I said from the last uh, episode, I don't think anything is outside the bounds of humor. Um, the context is what matters. And Mars Wrigley factory find after two workers fell into a chocolate vat. Two workers were rescued when a hole was cut in the bottom of a partly full Mars Wrigley chocolate tank. And um, what? What is going on here? Um, I, is there? Oh, Max Matza is the author of this article over at BBC.com. And it says Mars Wrigley factory in the city of, of uh, Elizabeth Town was fined more than $14,500 by OSHA, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration. Uh, and the workers were contractors that did not work full-time for the factory. And the incident happened back in June of 2022. Um, I am referring to this fine as the um, Oompa Loompa Gloop fine um, because the workers, uh, I have uh, confirmed, not really, that these were Oompa Loompas that were working on Charlie's Chocolate Factory. And I firmly believe that OSHA should have fined them more and liberated the remaining Oompa Loompas from the factory, thus hobbling, potentially preventing that train from being built, Snowpiercer, right? Um, and thus stopping global cooling, 
and the entire demise. We this could be the pivot in time where one timeline breaks off and we lose the Oompa Loompas forever and saving the Oompa Loompas so that they can continue. Um, and maybe this one fine has changed future. No. Anyway, so Gloop is oh, the- I was definitely thinking of Willy Wonka when about the tank. <laughs> yeah, we could also call it the Willy Wonka fine. Um, but luckily it's a, like gloop is the per is the kid that fell into the chocolate he was the um, really big kid that fell into the chocolate and uh, got stuck uh, on the way out um, when he was being um, sucked out of the uh, chocolate river and um, so in, in his honor because we don't know what the full result is was he saved at, at the factory we don't know um, but we know uh, that the Oompa Loompas end up um, because of um, Snowpiercer. We know that the Oompa Loompas met their demise at the hands of uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. There's world building, baby. No? Okay, let's keep going. So this next article. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, that was funny in my head. It may not have been funny for everybody else, but it was funny in my head. Uh, the uh, next article is a Senate Democrat. Oh, this is over in the Mobile Channel. Um, Senate Democrat says it's possible anomaly is still flying over Montana airspace, but could be a false alarm. Uh, there's an anomaly and they've investigated. Uh, I got it. Uh, wait, I think it got dark last night, so they couldn't fully check it out, said Tester, Senator John Tester, a Democrat from Montana. Um, I mean, it does said, usually get dark at night. That was a pretty profound quotation. <laughs> so would this qualify as uh, no shit news? Yeah. Uh, tonight at 11, John Tester confirms at night it gets dark. Um, so Tester said on CBS's Face the Nation that there still may be something up there. It may be a false alarm because they didn't shoot down anything over Montana. It ended up somewhere. Maybe whatever it was ended up somewhere else wherein it was shot down. Um, but could this anomaly still be up there? Well, nobody really knows, at least not yet. Well, I guess we'll see. So, um, all of us that are out there who um, like to be uh, uh, paranoid about what's flying above us, sure, grab your binoculars and um, point them to the sky and don't point them at the big fiery ball in the sky. That is the sun and you don't want to go blind. Anyway, well, I'm the also article thinking that we're getting a pretty high percentage of states where there have been um incidents i guess as we'll say uh as we get into some of the other articles <laughs> and apparently other places now as well so what's really going on here um but i, I don't know uh, wasn't the report that some 40 countries have had reports of balloons flying over them uh, u.s is one of the first i guess to really light it up with rockets um stephen newcomb is the author of this article over at the Hill, Senate Democrat says it's possible anomaly still flying over Montana airspace, but could be false alarm. I really doubt that it's still flying over. 
Montana. Maybe another one is flying over Montana. Uh, but there, this article kind of just talks about how NORAD is paying attention to it. And um, they scrambled jets, but didn't find anything. And um, that's that's pretty much it, you know. And the one thing that's interesting is later on in, in tonight's show, um, we highlight another element of this. In fact, the next article um, is about this as well. Uh, all three objects that were shot down um, over uh, the U.S. and Canada have been balloons. Um, one over Alaska, one over the Yukon, one over the coast of South Carolina. Um, and a fourth one over uh, Montana was seen. Well, something was seen. Um, yeah. And now I think there was a, wasn't there a... There wasn't another one, right? I think you're jumping ahead into some of the later articles. Right. Is there another one? There might be another one. You know what? The news is chock-a-block full of balloons and superb owls. Let's just move on to the next article. So, uh, we'll, we'll, let's just talk about this real quick. Um, I don't know why this is playing, but that's okay. Allison Peckerin is the author of that article that I was just talking about all three objects flying over the U S and Canada believed to be balloons and Schumer says Congress must learn more. Um, yes. And it says why as far back as the Trump administration did no one know about this? Well, people knew about it, but it was on a need to know basis because, um, what's the saying loose lips sink ships and you don't diverge every, uh, divulge everything from the intelligence community to, every Tom, Dick and Harry in the political infrastructure. Why? Because wingnuts like Marjorie Taylor Greene are going to go charging out there and talking about how there's aliens and the Chinese and whoever else and whatever else is going on, literally divulging the fact that we know and might be doing something about it publicly instead of whatever organizational body that launched these things maybe having some telemetry, but wondering if it is now the way that it works is if everybody knows about it, when we launch a fighter pilot or a fighter jet out at it and the telemetry from that device changes, they know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it's a US F-22 coming at it or going around it or monitoring the situation, whatever it is, the change in telemetry is good enough to know. Um, maybe what the rate of speed was, maybe what the maximum altitude was because a jet can, a fighter jet can only go so high, but the absolute top deck of that, nobody knows because they don't release it out into the wild. Obviously there are some, uh, demonstrator vehicles where it has gone and, and somebody has said, Hey, you know, it goes to 45,000 feet or whatever. Um, but that's really not the point of this. A, a skilled fighter pilot could push the limits of a fighter jet above that top deck that is quote unquote known by let's just say, uh, countries that are not as interested in 
being a strategic partner with the United States as others on because we're not at war and conflicted. Although, depending on which general you talk to, we will be um, soon. I know it's kind of creepy to have that kind of just lingering out there. And then every single day we find a balloon floating around in our backyard. I don't know. Anyway, the suspected reconnaissance uh, program also existed during the Trump administration, but was only recently discovered by the U.S. intelligence and military communities, according to Schumer. It's wild we didn't know, isn't it? Well, yeah, it might be uh, because um, the president said don't divulge this information. I really doubt it. I think the way that it probably went down is advisors told the intelligence community don't divulge any of this information who knows if trump knew um uh, if you were to ask trump he'd probably go uh intelligence uh, but you know did he know was he actually part and parcel to the oh who am i kidding willful ignorance was basically the mantra you know Literally, the dude said, stop testing people and you won't have this COVID-19 problem anymore. No shit. But then you'd have two million people dead, not just one. So anyway, it says the vessels over Alaska and Canada were much smaller than the earlier balloon and posed a different threat because they were flying at a similar altitude to commu uh, commercial uh, planes. But that's why they shot them down is because they were hovering somewhere around the 40,000 deck, which meant that they were possibly um, impinging the commercial flight area. Um, and so they pink punted them out. In fact, one flight had to um, turn around or something on one of these incidents. Yeah, so... Um, at least one person is saying that the intelligence community gathered a, a, a mass of information by surveilling the balloon as it went over the United States. And in the same breath, I'm sure that we were jamming its um, uh, radar or intelligence gathering uh, capabilities with one thing or another. Um, so... So there we go. I mean, we we're probably like uh, four articles into this uh, show and we've had uh, what three balloon now two. But guess what? There's more. Uh, but that's not what this article is about. This next article is probably going to make your um, wallet kind of wince. <laughs> and my joke about this is that it's powered by children. So it should be less expensive um, based on that data point because Hyundai uh, apparently uh, has been using child labor in one of its metal working factories here in the United States, which I thought was rather shocking when I heard about it. We talked about it uh, yesterday. Yeah, I think it was yesterday. Um, you should go and watch that video too. Well, anyway, in this article is Hyundai launches no commitment electric vehicle monthly subscription. And uh, the article's author um, says, here's why it's different from leasing. I can tell you why it's different from leasing. 
Um, the pricing has to be higher if there's no commitment. Yeah, so I highlighted this um, because uh, I was really curious, and, and this is the first time that we've actually aggregated a little bit more data than usual. Um, that will be remedied in the future, but it says uh, using the Evolve Plus app, customers can reserve a Kona electric vehicle for $700 per month or a Hyundai Ioniq 5 for $900 a month, but it comes with insurance, maintenance, and a thousand miles of driving according to the release. And the service is currently only available in six states. Crazy enough to offer. The, I mean, <clears throat> oh wait, this is... Um, this probably is supposed know to which be state it's probably not in <laughs> uh wyoming probably not in wyoming yes yeah <laughs> um so it says it was in six states although the company did not name them in the announcement i'm looking at their this little flyer here it it, it looks like it's uh, screenshots from their app um, but it says baltimore maryland so maryland might actually be one of them um so without saying that it's available in six, I think that I just confirmed that it's in at least one because <laughs> it says Baltimore, Maryland right here. Um, who knows? Um, maybe I can do some due diligence and, and hunt it down a little bit. Anyway, it's over at Business Insider, this article. And it says, as we know, living with an EV is really an educational process at Gary Rome, president of Gary Rome Auto Group and an Evolve Plus pilot dealer. Evolve Plus gives our customers the opportunity to try an electric vehicle and see if it is right for their lifestyle. And it only costs somewhere between $700 and $900. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I like the kind of test drive mentality, but maybe it could be, you know, $50 a day or something and you could rent it for a week or whatever. <laughs> it seems outlandishly expensive. In March 2022, the rental car startup Kite announced a similar subscription service for users to rent a Tesla Model 3 for $1,000 a month for one year. Insiders Tim, Tim Levin um, reported, or Levine. Uh, unlike Kite's plan, Evolve Plus users can cancel their subscription at any time and return the car. Well, you can at Kite too. It just costs you $1,000 a month for one year. So you, you can cancel at any time. It's just going to cost you that difference. Um, with no paperwork, no commitment, no long-term loan, Evolve Plus is an optimal solution for the EV curious car shopper. This this isn't, wow, am I going to like, uh, you know, s spicy food? Here, let's take a spoonful of it. This is upwards of $1,000 a month for crying out loud. Plus, who can do this? Who has a charger in their house where they can charge this vehicle even for a couple of days? The, you drive this thing for 300 miles and you have to go and charge it somewhere. So you're going to go to a charging place and charge it and then drive it home and it's going to be at 80%. Then you're going to drive to wherever you're going to drive and then have to park for two hours and let it charge at a supercharger somewhere and then drive it to work. <laughs> And by that time, a thousand miles has been eaten up. Exactly. And then, and plus, like you said, if you don't have a charger at your house, which most people probably don't, uh, not if they're nobody's going to buy one if they're doing this arrangement to try it out. This is, I, I think that 
Um, and MKBHD just did an art, a video about how he ran into a problem um, in that he went to a mall or, or some strip place to, uh, oh, wait, let me rephrase that. A strip mall, not a strip place, uh, mischaracterized. You know, you have to be careful with your verbs, verbiage. Um, so he went to get fast food and while he was on his way, um, out of the car to the fast food place, um, he noticed that somebody was really struggling with their electric vehicle and the charger was incompatible without an adapter. And the person was borrowing their son's car. Um, and in that the person basically struggled. And so MKBHD said just four days ago, what I've been saying for two years, EV infrastructure is not ready for prime time because it does not have, I can't go to just any gas station and fill my car up with electricity. We have proprietary connectors and we have to have adapters. We have different in voltage rates. So it might take, um, two hours or it might take eight hours. Um, who knows what is going on? Plus when you drive somewhere, maybe there's an open charging spot. Maybe there isn't. It's much rarer for you to not have a gas station, uh, fill pump, you know, available, but the EV side of things, who knows if it's working, the cables can be cut or stolen or damaged. Um, in some way and, and MKBHD even spoke about that because even at his place, the infrastructure is kind of weak where he has a cable that if you just tap it, it disconnects and you have to hold it in the right angle, just right. So he's like, I'm sitting in my office and I'll get an alert saying that the wind blew and the cable is no longer charging my car. Um, and that's kind of how it is, uh, across the board. I think that that's how it is as anecdotal as it might be. What we need is something that I've been saying for two years, um, and longer, but two years at, at here, um, in hometown, um, publicly, what we need is, um, a, a unanimous decision to stick to a type of battery pack that gets integrated into the sled. And then you start building the infrastructure where you swap out the batteries. And instead of having a $50,000 car, you have a $35,000 car and you can swap out that $15,000 battery um, again and again, as you drive around and then the charging place, the, the gas station for lack of a better phrase, um, will fast swap those batteries out. And it's as to me, it's as easy as building a compartment, like a battery compartment in a toy, except that instead of having just one little Phillips head screwdriver holding the lid on, there's like 64 bolts and it would take somebody forever to steal that battery. You could literally walk out into your garage while somebody is trying to steal your battery from your car and watch them for two hours as they try and take all the bolts off before calling the cops. And then the cops will show up and, and help them try and steal a battery. I mean, I know it sounds ludicrous what I'm saying, but I'm trying to drive home the point that 
it's very high friction right now for everyday drivers to go EV. Short distances, very expensive heavy batteries, uh, very temperamental batteries in terms of heat and cold and um, inclement weather, inclement weather, quality control, all kinds of stuff play. Even your driving habits can drain your battery faster and the weight of the, that's in the car drains the, the battery that much faster. It's not like a internal combustion engine that can still go the distance with a tank of gas um, and not just you're stuck somewhere out in the middle of nowhere and nobody can charge you when you run out of electricity halfway down you know uh, five or 95 or wherever you might be um, it, it's pain and suffering in your future if you have an ev and you are away from a charging um, station anyway now it's going to be 900 dollars um it says here the subscription program will allow users to rent an electric vehicle for as low as $700 a month. That's like twice as much as the average um, payment for a, a $40,000 car, $35,000 exactly. car. Exactly. I mean, at that point, just buy the car and sell it. But we've talked about the resale market for EVs. So <laughs> that was on a different show. Yeah. Um, I just don't see this as being really viable. Early adopters, maybe um, people that have, uh, <laughs> they're already ready to purchase. They just want to see what it's like for a month. I mean, who has an extra thousand bucks laying around to see if you want to invest it in a car? That's a down payment for crying out loud. <laughs> So the article's over at uh, businessinsider.com and uh, Jordan Hart is the author and we've pretty much talked about everything. Um, there is, as always, more minutia in the article and you can suss it out um, by following the link uh, over to uh, businessinsider.com. I think that you'll uh, enjoy the article and... Um, I don't know, maybe take my words to heart because I really think that um, what this amounts to is nothing more than a little bit of hype trying to stay in the news cycle about EVs. Um, the Ionic 5 and its bigger um, brother or sister, however you want to describe it, there's an, a bigger version, Ionic 6, um, they speak for themselves. When you go and read reviews and, and uh, watch videos about the Ionic series, everybody loves them. So what you will want to save your thousand bucks for is the charging port being put in your garage because that's extra money. You'll have to get an electrician. You can't do it on your own. That's for sure. At least unless you want to eventually burn your house down because it all shorts out um, and it might v violate your homeowner's insurance policy. But anyway, save your money, um, put a charging port in your garage and buy this vehicle or lease the vehicle. Because uh, at the end of your lease, you can buy the, the vehicle. You could just refi it as a, a purchase. So anyway, not more. Not much more to say, right? 
Nope, that pretty much covers it. I mean, it might even just be Hyundai trying to get out in front of the news and put something arguably positive out there. Just something, right? Based on that other article. <laughs> right. Yeah, you'll want to go and watch that other article if you're listening to this. Uh, the next article is over in the Warcrafters channel. I've already thrown the link into the chat. Uh, here's a management game best described as Terraform and Chill. It's uh, Plan B Terraform. Uh, this is actually a really awesome game. I love the graphics. I love it, the, the speed, the style. Um, it's a, a um, oh, what is it called? <laughs> oh, man, I just totally forgot what the name of it is. Um, doggone it. Anyway, it's a management, automation, and simulation strategy game that puts you in charge of terraforming a planet um and making it habitable i've played this demo it's over on steam the article itself is over at pcgamer.com uh, written by jonathan bolding it says it's a very very big world you're out there changing take your time um and yeah i've actually played this um so you can go and get the demo uh because the next fest over at steam uh, you've got a big barren world with lots of resources to make use of and the tech to change it into a lush cradle of life, so get to it. Um, Plan B Terraform is a demo out as part of Steam's Next Fest, and that's what it says in this article. Um, I could probably have written this article, uh, but I didn't. So We also featured Steam Next Fest on one of the previous episodes. I think there were 900 demos available <laughs> to try. Yeah. Um, I, I think that steam needs to just make it next fast month, not just week. Um, it's just, there's too much to consume in too short amount of time. And the hype doesn't actually raise enough, um, of the awesome games to the top with enough time to play all of the awesome games. So you have to pick and choose. And that really does, I think, a disservice to the developers because there's so many good games that come out and so few um, can be consumed by a lot of people um, but maybe they'll expand it in the future but let's keep on going through the news we've got quite a bit um, another article um, about uh, a ufo or a uap however you want to put it this is the article uh, that i spoke about in the preamble which was Chinese authorities said that they're preparing to shoot down an unidentified flying object spotted near the, the Yellow Sea. And um, yeah, I, I find it kind of fascinating that all of a sudden they too are talking about preparing to shoot down something. Um, I mean, hey, is that a deflection thing? Like, oh, we're also um, getting balloons or are they trying to insinuate that say, the U.S. is sending a balloon their way. I don't know what they're saying. Um, Pentagon officials said that it's being used by the PRC as an attempt to surveil strategic sites in the continental U United States. That's the balloons that are coming towards us. The one that they are saying um, uh, the announcement comes after a week of suspected Chinese spy balloons being shot down <laughs> over the United States. Um in that they've spotted that China has spotted a, a UAP UFO, whatever you want to call it, and are preparing to shoot it down. Um, 
let's hope that they don't mistake an actual plane <laughs> as a UAP uh, in their um, <laughs> in their attempt to deflect, and then they say, "Oh, oh, oh, oops! We thought it was a UAP. It was actually a plane. That's what it showed up on our radar. Blah blah blah. Whatever." I don't know that that's really just kind of being very speculative. Um, but what I would want first and foremost is I would want evidence, take a photo of it. Just like we had multiple photos of this vehicle hovering around the United States, take a photo of it and post it and show us where it is because people could literally just walk up and look up into the sky and see this thing flying across the United States. Of course, this is over at the yellow sea. So it says that it's over the city of Rizhou, I think Rizhou. I don't know how to pronounce it, so I won't do a good service there. And the authorities reminded fishermen to be safe, said the state media outlet, the coastal city of Rizzo on the Yellow Sea. So I'll, I'll do some searches and see if I can actually find um, if anybody has posted pictures from Rizzo. Uh, again, I'm probably pronouncing that incorrectly, so correct me. Happy to be corrected. Aliyah Shobe, I think, is the author. Uh, over at Business Insider, and that's the nuts and bolts of that article. So there's not much more to get into regarding this. So let's just hustle on to the next article. Sound good? Sounds great. Um, okay, so this next article is over in the Word and Law. FBI's most controversial surveillance tool is under threat. Uh, while a lot of us have been around um, for the creation and installation of the surveillance state across the United States. Um, and many uh, struggled to comprehend why it would be appropriate um, to mass surveil in the effort to catch, um, well, to, and to gather intelligence about insider threats and then not do anything about them, all of the fact that we knew that there were people training to fly planes into the Twin Towers and even had a memo, the Secretary of State at the time, right, had um, that said um, that bad actors were attempting to steal planes to fly into the Trade Center. Um, shockingly <laughs> uh, apparent, it was a prognostication in memo form. They knew that something was going on, um, but apparently didn't do uh, enough to find it. Um, I'm sure people would take exception to that statement, but we do have proof of planes that were flown into 9-11 into the trade center. So anyway, new details about FBI's failures to comply with restrictions on the use of foreign intelligence. Pardon me. My nose is itchy. Um, yes, everybody needed to know that. Um, for domestic crimes have emerged at perilous time for the U.S. intelligence community. Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, or FISA, 
um, the so-called crown jewel of U.S. intelligence, grants the government the ability to intercept the electronic communication of overseas targets who are unprotected by the Fourth Amendment. Um, what this actually amounts to is a massive data center in Utah um, where all of the information is uh, stored that ever traverses the Internet. Um, and uh, it's an NSA data center, um, but the FBI it, uh, gathers up intelligence um, in the same vein, the same source. And this actually was created by working with telecommunications companies and putting in place uh, in the data centers um, surveillance, basically what amounts to wiretaps um, in the core of the telecommunication hubs um, and tapping into the trunk of the internet, the actual core um, cabling that traverses the country and you just monitor everything um well yep, people aren't quite happy about this so del cameron at wired.com and uh i got this through arstechnica.com um are talking about it and it says central to the tension has been a routine audit by the department of justice's national security division and the office of the director of national intelligence uh, America's quote-unquote top spy, uh, which unearthed new examples of the FBI failing to comply with rules limiting access to intelligence ostensibly gathered to protect U.S. national security. Quote, such errors, they said, have occurred on a large number of occasions. This is by far not the first time that this has been discussed. Um, they talk about a only recently declassified audit um, that in the first half of 2020, FBI personnel unlawfully searched raw FISA data on numerous occasions. In one incident, agents reportedly sought evidence of foreign influence linked to a U.S. lawmaker. In another, an inappropriate search pertained to a local political party. And in, uh, in both cases, these quote-unquote errors were attributed to a misunderstanding of the law, the report says. Um, but... At other times, it has been discussed that FBI and anybody really in power, in authority positions with the ability to abuse an intelligence system have reached into that intelligence system to gather information about uh, job prospects, about um, future love interests, about um, the people associated with someone in their family, all kinds of stuff. Um, and it's an abuse of power because there isn't any, well, I say this often enough, the smallest chapter in every single domain is the ethical control of information and their duties. If, if ethics aren't the thing that you adhere to, then you can do whatever you want to. And so you have to have an ethical compass. And if it isn't born internally by you then it needs to be born externally by the enterprise that affords you the ability to go parsing through data that you shouldn't have access to in any other way what do you think do you have an opinion on this ai from on high i know that you're controlling hometown but what do you think of this i think there are too many potentials for abuse here i mean all of the 
surveillance seems to be on the domestic side. I understand the point of it is for foreign um, influence, interests, etc. But it seems like too many um, U.S. citizens potentially get swept up in this, and especially because they can just kind of run a search without really any. Um, I guess, prohibitions or protections against that. I mean, it's not good enough to find out in an audit somebody was running an improper search. They need to not be able to do that to begin with. Right. They should have permission. You don't ask for forgiveness when it's this abusive. You ask for permission, then you run the search. And in other organizations that tap into this FBI data pool, NSA and CIA, they are operating ostensibly outside the domestic environment, right? So the NSA is this quasi organization that works both internally and externally. CIA is supposed to be entirely outside, har har. Um, but in, in all of these cases, the FBI is kind of the mechanism by which you obtain this information because they operate domestically. They have that mandate to protect internally um, and therefore they can do a search because they have immediate access to it but I still think uh, like I would have a policy um, and at one time when I was running the the anti-spam mail service that was the policy if anybody accessed a log without authorization they were fired on the spot there was no questions or appeals Nobody's allowed to access the logs without a subpoena because it held all unencrypted information as email traverses the network. It's unencrypted back then. Um, now there's some capability to do encrypted even as it traverses a network. Anyway, in this case, so much information is bulk stored. All they have to do is do a search and building de facto dossier on somebody um, as easy as running a search on their name or having a, you could do a search because you're an insider on this privileged information. You can do a search for a name, get their social security number, and then grab everything associated with that person um, from the beginning of their existence until, you know, today. Um, it says um, at one point here, there's a little bit of a segment that I, I'll quote. Um, a second individual of Middle Eastern descent then began loading boxes into a second vehicle, said the witness, who noted some of the boxes were labeled Drano, the brand name of a drain cleaning product. And this was stored where the incident was unearthed by DOJ investigators, which in the report, they say violated U.S. attorney uh, general guidelines and FBI analysts using Section 702 intelligence in a way that lacked a proper authorized uh, purpose. The, the investigator said the improper queries were prompted by a report about an individual of Middle Eastern descent whom a witness claimed sped into a parking lot before honking his horn. I mean, that, if that's the only information at the beginning of this, that doesn't even seem to be a hundredth of the level uh, needed to, to get into this area. 
Yeah. Every so, time somebody honks their horn and they happen to be from a certain country or uh, cultural background. Right, right, right. That's pretty dicey. Well, that screams racist, right? I mean, it just it right. screams racist. But this is because, yeah. yeah, we had this fear of say see something, say something, particularly post 9-11. Um, this doesn't have a time frame for when it took place, but I can imagine that it was post 9-11. And um, my problem here is, okay, so I can tell you that I have driven up to somebody's house fast, honked my horn, and they came running out to deliver something for me so that I could go back to where I was because I left something at the original location and I had to go back there, get it, and go back to work or whatever. It is innocuous, but somebody decided to file something and then somebody else goes and runs a report and this is the nothing. Now it would be really interesting if there's anything in here that can be shown to actually be actionable, but, um, it, you know, it says the report does not opine on whether the tip was the result of racial profiling, and it's widely known that chemicals complete, uh, commonly found in drain cleaners, among others, were used in the creation of homemade bombs. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Sometimes Drano is nothing more than Drano. So let's, let's hustle on to the next articles. Um, this next one is, do you think that uh, you, if you're trying to decide on a career path, um, a, a a career path in consumer non-durable goods might be your um, path. And I say this because um, in other places where your job amounts to a series of steps that results in the same product being produced, or you do the same series of steps to uh, complete a task, but it's always the same steps and there's nothing customized or anything about it. Um, your job is in the future going to be automated, um, hands down. And what you end up doing as an employee of a business that does the same process, you are paying the bills for the company, for the CEO and making money for the business right up until they find out that it makes economic sense to automate your position. But if you are working in a field where it is non-durable goods, they are consumed regularly. And so you can make these things, people consume these things, and then they have to buy from you again, or they go somewhere else and buy them. Um, does this need to be automated as well? Or could this be automated as well? To some degree, yes. But if you make bespoke items, even things like dish soap can be custom made to a customer's desire for scent and consistency and color, um, then you can make custom items for people and turn it into a business. And you can do this tomorrow. Um, it, it's a matter of ambition and your ability to market. So you can make toys and games and pet products and all kinds of stuff. Um, and this article goes into quite a bit of detail about um, what it means uh, what you can do, what type of jobs, um, 
and it's at entrepreneur.com. So I won't go too far into all of this, but it explains what it is, what consumer non-durable goods are, and if it makes a good career. And you should do some due diligence into this stuff because you don't know what you don't know. And maybe this will pique your curiosity and not only give you a career path, um, but maybe turn you into an entrepreneur yourself. Um, so go and check it out. Follow that link through hometown and, um, I hope to hear back that you've become an entrepreneur. I can highlight you on the show. Um, the next article is in the Daily News Show. We're talking about those three suspicious balloons again. We'll resolve this. As time goes on, uh, more and more information will be uh, divulged. And um, yeah, don't worry. I'll be putting all of these links in the chat and in the show notes and in the podcast notes and whatnot, wherever um, I am supposed to. So the, this article, uh, three suspicious objects that have been downed across North America this week. Officials have no idea where two of the UAP came from and the pilots who shot them down can't agree on what they even look like. Uh, an article, or um, I, I should say a, a news report that I heard about said that one of them had cables hanging down from it, but no discernible payload. Um, and that just kind of begs question, not answer. <laughs> so were those tethers holding it down until it could be released or was it holding a payload and it let it go? Um, interesting. So the object over Alaska was at altitude that conflicted with commercial flights and that's why they took it down. Um, they want, there was one, um, in uh, the Yukon, that one was taken down and then there was one that was over, a lake um, here in the States, Michigan or something like that. And I think that one was taken down. And then there was another one over Montana that just kind of floated around. Um, and they lost it in the clouds because it got dark. Thanks. As we heard uh, from the congressman. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much. Um, we, we needed a congressman to tell us that. Anyway, um, so in the notion news segment of this article, it says there may be surviving evidence in the debris. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, but the article was by Catherine. Uh, I have to say this name, uh, Catherine Tangalakis Lippert. Um, and they have this neat little graphic about where everything was found. And um, they talk about the, the fact that it, it interfered with their sensors and had no discernible propulsion propulsion system, but it also didn't um, maneuver in any substantial way. So it just kind of bobbed along with, um, flow of air, um, whichever way the wind blew. So, yeah, the fact that it interfered with sensors is troubling. Um, that means it's definitely high powered enough that it could create a field large enough to mess around with an F-22's, um, telemetry. Do we know Pretty. if the original balloon interfered with sensors? I assume it did, but I, I don't, don't think know. they've reported that. Yeah, I don't know. I just know that this last one did, apparently. Um, let's see. And there have been others. One floated over Latin America. Um, now there's one that's supposedly over by China, but it's probably their own that, you know, got lost. Who knows? Um, at any rate, there's a lot more over at this article. I won't even dig any deeper because um, what 
as you're listening to this um, podcast or VOD, um, go back to the previous episodes and you'll be all caught up. This one pretty much catches you all up with that li- this little picture right here. So definitely go over to Business Insider and read more about it if you are interested. But it is not this. This is the next article, and I just want to make it abundantly clear that at this time, it does not be uh, appear that uh, anybody is being uh, abducted and probed by aliens. And thank you, uh, Representative Jim Himes, for saying in the absence of information, people's anxiety leads them into potentially destructive areas. There are people online that are talking about this. Um, alien invasions. Congressman addresses speculation after UFOs shot down. This is kind of muddying the waters as it pertains to what might actually be real UAPs versus Chinese-made balloons that are just floating around willy-nilly surveilling countries. These are not UFOs. These are not UAPs. These are things that are easily explainable versus the UAPs that have been shown in previous months and years um, as exposing um, a type of technology that is much faster, more capable than anything that we have in the air. And it's definitely not coming from China. Anyway, this is a Newsweek.com article by Thomas Kika, uh, K-I-K-A. So hopefully I'm pronouncing it properly. Um, But Representative Jim Himes, a Connecticut Democrat, I don't know why it's the Democrats that are popping up saying, hey, it's aliens um, or not aliens at the same time, attempted to downplay concerns and talks of an alien invasion on Sunday in the wake of recent aerial objects being shot down by the United States. It's not aliens for crying out loud. Do you really think aliens are going to be using balloons and having wires hanging down from their craft and slow moving to the point where it's going to be taken out by a jet? If there's aliens, believe me, they haven't come all this way to sit there and inflate a balloon and hover around the United States for a while. You know, I think part of why we're seeing all this alien discussion is because the politicians are all going on these news shows and the interviewers are all sending them into that territory. I suspect most of these um, congressmen are not just bringing up aliens, <laughs> but they're being asked about it by reporters. And so then they get a soundbite on aliens. Well, the, re- the reporters are being stupid then. On Sunday, he appeared on NBC's Meet the Press. This is Meet the Press for crying out loud. You might want to represent yourself a little bit better than asking somebody if it's aliens. Where he was asked to weigh in on the recent reports that two unidentified aerial objects were shot down over American and Canadian airspace. And while the nature of these objects has not been officially confirmed, they have nonetheless sparked semi-serious concerns online about possible contact by aliens. There isn't anything semi-serious. And I don't know if the spark is actually going from one connector to the other in some people's heads that these are aliens for crying out loud. Anyway, it says uh, there was a logic to what the Biden administration had done. The Democratic lawmaker said the two shootdowns 
have occurred around objects that were a threat to civil aviation. Remember the initial Chinese balloon was 50, 60,000 feet. That's not a threat. If you're at or below 40,000, then you're in the travel zone for civilian aviation. And I argued uh, yesterday and today and in previous instances that they were getting telemetry from this thing. They were getting data. We were getting signal intelligence from these balloons, these craft, and adding to our uh, understanding of what it was that was taking place. And now that we have the one that was at 60,000 feet, we can correlate that data to the actual instrumentation of the craft. So letting it float across the U.S. was just fine as long as you're jamming its signal and forcing it to not send any telemetry back to whoever it was that was piloting this thing. Um, but that's all there is in that article. And uh, we're going to end the show with this one. Because thankfully, George Santos was uh, the quarterback for both teams and doing the halftime show with Rihanna and one of the dancers on the platforms at the Super Bowl. So George Santos pregame Super Bowl tweet sparks wave of jokes. Some of them are quite humorous. This is a a Newsweek article. Andrew Stanton put this together for Newsweek.com. And let, let's just kind of scroll down. We we know that George Santos lied about a lot of stuff and they're trying to water it down saying, oh, everybody fibs and hate to break it to you, bub. Not everybody. And, and in so much as somebody might, they might say that they were at a job somewhere a month longer than they really were because they can't remember and it's not worth the time and effort to go back and verify with an ex-employee or ex-employer they don't say that they had knee replacements and won volleyball championships when it when it looks like your vertical school that they were playing volleyball at (laughs) yeah and his vertical leap is horizontal so it's not like he was sitting there in the sand leaping four feet in the air and crushing people with a withering blow it i mean the guy is just pathological it seems uh, based on everything and plus you know this if all of the reports are true about him grifting off of uh, puppy mills and bad checks and who knows what happened to these pets that he actually got from various places. Um, And nobody can verify any of this, right? Like they know that certain things were done using his name and he even riffed off of it. Well, somebody stole my checkbook or something like that. Oh my God. No, no, no. Not with all of the other stuff. Right. I mean, it's just lie after lie after lie. Well, um, Santos tweeted something as simple as a football emoticon or icon, whatever you want to call it, the little emoji um, and a an ice cream thing. I think it looks like, right? Is that what that is? That's a little ice cream. Anyway, um, two emojis and it turned into um, Dan Hill from Hill Impact or at Hill Impact on Twitter must be 
tough to not be out there. How many Super Bowl rings did you win again? I know it's more than Brady. Were you dating Rihanna when you wrote We Find Love? Honestly, I shouldn't be making light of your lies. Resign fraud. And then somebody else says, uh, Ethan Sachs from Ethan J. Sachs at Twitter. Um, Good luck at the game today. Amazing that you're starting quarterback for both teams and performing in the halftime show. I love that one. Um, and rep Eric Swalwell says, does anyone have the list for George Santos's Super Bowl halftime performance? And um, yeah, Let, let's just say that if you believe anything that he says and you don't go and verify it empirically, like if you do not go and verify that he did this before you do anything with him, with him then you are asking for abuse. Kansas City Chiefs are huddling at... Let's see, wait, what? Inset Representative George Santos, a New York Republican, Santos's post celebrating the football game sparked a wave of jokes and memes on Sunday. So this is just an image that they slapped in there to fill. Got it. Okay, well, anyway, um, ridicule aside, joking aside, it's a shame that this person... Uh, lied and manipulated his way into a congressional seat uh, and is now empowered because the Republican side will not let him go easily because it will, I can almost guarantee, without basically the second coming happening in that little hamlet of an area, you're not going to get anything other than a Democrat. And I think even the second coming, that person's a Democrat. Um, but at any rate, I just think that he poison pilled. He lost some other sponsors there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fill in the blank as to who. I don't know where, I don't know what we lost on that one, but <laughs> maybe a, a seat in heaven if. Anyway, I'll leave that alone. Um, and what I'm going to leave with is go back to the front of hometown.com when you are surfing uh, through hometown, checking out all of the nooks and crannies of the uh, site. You've got close to 50 channels under six categories. Um, become a citizen. Just hit sign up and throw some information in there and become a citizen. Uh, I will be expanding certain functions. There will be a store being um, added uh, so that you can get um, hometown branded items and uh, meme shirts and other things that are in the works. Um, it is a brand new community. And unlike other communities that I have heard about, read about and talked about with people, um, I will not make fake content, so you won't find BS posts from artificial intelligence um, programs that are running around just filling in blanks so that it appears that there is a lot of traffic. That's not how it works. I'm more interested in having real conversations with real people really live here uh, on Twitch. And by proxy, go over to hometown.com and post there as well. Um, other than that, 
you can watch this long term over on YouTube because Twitch only allows me about 60 days, I think it is, of storage. And then the last one drops off, which is a real pisser. Um, but you can go over to YouTube and watch all of them. Every episode is over there, should be. Uh, some of them are actually under the live uh, listing um, only because I used to restream here on Twitch and over on YouTube and they were classified differently over on YouTube. So they're not in the same display type um, as these other videos, the, the long-term storage of the Twitch streams. Um, and I'm not doing anything live over on YouTube, at least not yet. I might refire that engine, but not right now. Um, that said, if you can't get into any of this, then the podcast exists. And if you're listening to this on the podcast, thank you very much for downloading the podcast. Be sure to leave a comment, um, and let me know what you think. Uh, obviously you can come into the Twitch channel, um, and let me know there too. Whew, that was a lot to, to say all in one breath, by the way. Um, I actually have massive lungs, um, that sit outside my body. I am one of the aliens in the Chinese meteorological airship that was floating around the United States. I thought you were just like one of the balloons itself. I mean, I you know, am filled with air, <laughs> hot air that keeps me afloat. When I jump on a scale, um, all that hot air makes me weigh only nine ounces. So. I'm oversharing. You want to say goodnight? And thanks, everybody. I'm going to say thanks, and then uh, the AI is going to say thanks. Uh, so thanks for hanging out with us. Thank you, and goodnight, hometown citizens, and we hope to see you tomorrow. At 9 p.m. Eastern here on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash hometown. Okay. Ta-ta. Bye-bye.